0: You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production.
1: Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm coming at you with a titillating reminder that pre sales for the world's first disability driven sex toy, the bump and joystick, are open right now. You can go to www.getbumpin.com, that's www.getbumpin.com, and you can pre-order your very own Bumpin Joystick right now, or you can get a gift card for that deliciously disabled person in your life right now. Do it now, go get it, and be part of this amazing new innovation in sex tech. Thanks friends. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone a willy or clone a pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So, if you want to pick up your own Clona Willie or Clonea Pussy Kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning: the language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey everybody, this is Andrew in the editing room. I am just forgot to put in that this episode of Disability After Dark does a deal with caregiver abuse, and we discuss abuse a little bit, so if that's not something you are prepared to listen to, um, it's okay if you want to skip this one, but just be aware that we do talk about that today. So, just wanted to put that warning in there before we start the show. Alright, I hope you enjoy. It's a really good one. Bye!
0: This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza.
1: Hello, hello, friends! Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. Hello! Thank you so much for being here. We're already on episode 273, which is just... I mean, that's just incredible, the fact that the show's gone on that long, and the fact that you have listened for that long has been amazing. Thank you so much. We are... we are... Just at about five and a half, five and almost five and a half years of doing the show, which is like, again, holy shit! In September we reached our five-year mark, which which is just great. And thank you so much for listening. Actually, I wanted to read you a review from somebody the other day that I was so excited and chuffed to get. I want to read it to you because it made me really excited and kind of reinvigorated why I do this show, and so I wanted to read it to you right now. Let me, let me pull it up. Becca wrote in, and she said, at Five stars, she said, We need this pod and work. I love this podcast. My professors, who teach a course on ableism, introduced me to it, and it's been an outlet for me to feel more connected to the disability community and encourages me to deepen a disability pride attitude about my own neurodivergence. Thanks, Andrew, and everyone who puts out these episodes. Well, thank you, Becca. That was such an incredible review. Thank you for the five-star. It means so much to me. And really, you know, I say this all the time on the show, I don't have a team of people that puts it out. I put it out. So it means especially a lot to me that this show means a lot to you. And I also love that your professors who teach a course on ableism recommended it to you, and it's actually being used in classrooms as a resource for people, which is so cool, because I'm sitting here recording this right now in my bedroom, and so to know that that it's being used as a resource for others, for professors in classrooms, is just really cool. And to know, most importantly, that it's helped you connect with your own neurodivergence and deepen your relationship with disability pride, that's just incredible It means so much. And Becca, if ever you want to come on the show and share your own experience with neurodivergence or disability, the door is always open. I would love to have you. What an incredible review. And every time I get reviews like this, it tears me up a little bit. I get really excited and really, really just reinvigorated to do this kind of work, to do this kind of show, and to put this content out there. Because sometimes when you do record, just basically by yourself when you're doing the recording, you never know if it's going to be well-received, you never know if going to like it, you never know. Sometimes I'm like, why do I still make this show? Why is it important? But getting a review like this reminds me of just how vital and necessary this work is. Thank you so much, Becca. And for anyone else who wants to let me know what the show means to them, I'd love for you to leave a review as well wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening and you want to support the show at all, I would love it if you could support us monetarily if you're able to. And for supporting us at any level monetarily, what you'll get is the show one day early. So instead of listening to us on Saturdays, you'll hear the show in a very special feed on Fridays just for you. And you'll get the show completely ad-free, completely no ads. You know, there's two minutes of ads at the beginning. You won't have to hear those you'll get dropped right in the middle of this amazing program just for you and you'll get a, you'll also get a shout out from me on the show something like hey Todd you have such a nice name it makes me think of your awesome disability bod thanks Todd something weird like that a weird awkward shout out for me and then you'll get the show one day early so if you want to do that and you want to hear me do a weird awkward shout out to you, you can go to patreon.com slash after dark. And I would totally appreciate it. But now, enough of my rambling, on to the show. On the show today, I sit down with my new friend Megan, and one of the things I love doing about this show is that every time I sit down with a guest, it really is like Talking to a really close friend and just having real deep conversations about disability, and this episode was no different. Megan is my new friend with spastic quadriplegic CP out of Wisconsin. She is working to be a um, to be a social worker and a counselor for people with disabilities. We had such intense talks, and we kept saying we. She kept telling me parts of her life, and I would go, oh, "Me too." It felt like I was talking to my, like, disabled doc- doppelganger twin. We had so much in common with our experiences of cerebral palsy, and it was really nice to just sit with her and have a talk about CP and our experiences. And we I think we go into, we go off on a bunch of different changes. We talk about, you know, camp, and we talk about, um, I think... We talk about Gray's Anatomy at some point. We talk about disability grief, and disability rage, and disability burnout. There's so many things that we explore in this episode, and I am really, really excited for you to hear it. But, seriously, every time Megan brought up a point, I kept being like, oh, me too! It was really like having someone who totally got my experience, and I just loved sitting down with her, so I really hope you do too. Here is my interview with my new friend, Megan Scar, right here on Disability After Dark. Megan, hello!
0: Hello, how are you?
1: Good, how are you? Thank you so much for being on Disability After Dark today.
0: I am great. I'm I'm really excited to be here today. A little bit nervous, but who wouldn't be?
1: um why with with me come on I'm just so chill and relaxed don't even worry I'm nervous I'm nervous to be with you so don't worry about don't worry about that it's fine well Um, then we can
0: be nervous at least together so it works out perfectly right
1: yeah fantastic that I'm always nervous when I when I recover the guests, so don't 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 worry I also feel nervous um I I noticed that and the audience can't see this but I noticed you're wearing like a really power business suit today and I thought that was pretty cool why are you in a like snazzy business suit
0: well I well for me as a disabled person I I take a lot of pride in in my appearance because I have this like inner pressure I don't know if it's from like society or from or from like just people's judgments of people with disability but I always feel like I have to be like super dressed up yeah um because I feel like I don't want I don't want people to already make snap judgment make snap judgments on my appearance because they're already making snap judgments about me as far as like my intelligence that kind of thing so yeah. I'm always like on point with outfits and things like that.
1: I mean, you look like you just you just left a courtroom in like New York. Be like, no, you're out of order. That's me literally right now. So I, think, <laughs> I think it's pretty amazing. Um, Thanks. Um, so, for the people who are like, who is Megan and why is she on the show? Can you introduce yourself to the audience a little bit?
0: So my name is Megan. Um, I've been living with spastic quadriplegic CP for. The last 28 years
1: hey, I was me born too. with me
0: too what? me too
1: oh yeah you too yeah well for longer than you but for, the th- <laughs> yeah. for 37 years but yes yeah.
0: um and I am currently going to school with the intent of becoming a licensed clinical social worker to work with people with disabilities because I feel like there isn't a lot of um Specialized mental health care for people with disabilities. Uh, we serve as a crisis counselor for Crisis Text Line, which is the largest uh, text-based um, crisis intervention service in the country.
1: And you're in Canada, right? right?
0: No, I'm in I'm in the states. I'm in Wisconsin.
1: Oh, cool, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. i am not, I haven't, I have not been there in my travels as a speaker I should I should go sometime um and also as you talk about wanting to do mental health with specifically to disabled people my best friend in Canada Kristen is doing the same thing so I should link the two of you up together absolutely there was somebody recently on the show also uh, Jessica Johnson in some other State that I can't think of right now. Who's also doing the same thing? I should link all three of you up because it, there needs to be more people talking about mental health and disability and how how that all interplays for sure.
0: I I definitely agree. I feel like it's a very um, I feel like it's a very hush hush topic um, simply because clinicians that are currently working that are able bodied don't know how to approach disability um, as a human condition you know what I'm saying as far as as far as as far as like you know if an able-bodied clinician you know has to meet a disabled client the one line I've heard a lot from able-bodied clinicians is well we'll learn together and I'm like no basically I'm teaching you about my disability because you know nothing
1: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. So
0: like, it wasn't actually until this year that I got connected with a um, got connected with a um, clinician who specializes in people with disabilities. Um, and the reason for that was was because I'm I really focused on just trying to be seen as Megan and as a human being. So yeah. I kind of stayed away from disabled clinicians, not because I didn't want to see one, but more so because I just, I wanted to, I didn't want my disability to be the primary focus of disability, but now that I've started seeing someone who specializes in disability, I can't, I can't understand for the life of me why I didn't start working with someone who specialized in disability, because there are so many things that I would have to explain to a regular mental health clinician that I don't have to explain the clinician
1: that I'm currently seeing right and I mean I did therapy for years and years and I would always go to non-disabled clinicians and non-disabled therapists and you're right we do this we do this thing where you have to sit with them for your first like five sessions and lay out disability for them and you're like fuck I want to get to the deeper stuff but I can't because you're still taking disability 101 and I'm on like disability 502 and like why isn't like (laughs) Why are we not jiving? So I I totally think your want to get into that field is it's so overdue and it's so necessary. It's so like necessary to have that, and also the um the the prevalence of things like um you know what is it called the the web app therapy talk places now means that disabled clinicians can connect with. Like disabled disabled clients a lot easier because they can both just click on an app and talk to each other.
0: Right, and I certainly, um, I certainly have found that through like the pandemic, for example, um, a lot of different things are more accessible to me, um, yeah. especially mental health care, because I no longer have to worry about is my caregiver going to show up for their shift and am I going to be able to go. Yeah. Um, is the weather going to be good enough for, for me to be able to go? Like, I don't have to worry about that anymore, yeah. which is like a huge relief because like every other American that struggles with mental health, I need mental health care, you know? Yeah. Um
1: And you need and, accessible mental health care. Right. And I totally like, and I know that in the States, like mental health care is, you know, not always the greatest. I mean, it depends on the state you're in and the city you're in and like, but I, I've heard from people who live in the States, that it's not the greatest and it can be way better. And I think you offering that to people, it's so rare that we have disabled clinicians talking to other disabled consumers about mental health and the fact you want to do this. I think I like there needs to be, an, you know what there needs to be, I was just thinking about this as we are talking, there needs to be an app just for disabled folks to hook up with disabled clinicians and it could be called like crib health. I don't know. We could we'll (laughs) workshop the name. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but something, you know,
0: yes. Yes.
1: Designed for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. That's something that I've, I've actually thought about too. So I'm really excited that you brought that up Um, because you're right. You know, and especially I just thought of this too, especially for, um, disabled people that are nonverbal you know not very many clinicians would be patient enough to work with someone who's nonverbal and learn their communication you we know you should fucking
1: create an app to, to we should create an app together because everything you're saying is yep i agree with you and like i have t- talked to individuals on this very podcast who are nonverbal and like there was my friend dante who i spoke to some episodes ago he was nonverbal and he kept saying, I want to come on the show and I want to come on the show. And I'll be honest, my ignorance and my ableism was like, I don't know how I'm going to host you because if you can't verbalize, how are we going to do this? And he was like, dude, I'm just going to type out what I want to say and you're going to say it and then it'll be fine. And I was like, oh, that's easy enough. And so like what I'm sharing that story again, because I think it's important because it shows that like everyone can communicate. It just may look and feel different. And we have to we have to recognize that. And I'm sure there are so many nonverbal people out there with disabilities who have a fuck ton of things to say and a fuck ton of like disability trauma they want to explore, but can't because nobody will give them time of day.
0: No, and and I don't mean to cut you off. So if I ever cut you off.
1: No, like, no, no, go. No. I, but, I, I um, talk way too much. I no. can shut up. It's fine.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I seriously, I seriously agree with you. Um, And also just like as a consumer, um, for mental health too, you know, I started going to therapy when I was 16, um, for depression and anxiety. Cool. And,
1: me too. Not right? 16, like, I,
0: I got all the same things you do. Hey, what up? Like, Hey, yeah. Um, so yeah, but so I started going when I was 16. Um, and you know, and my anxiety journey in particular has been quite interesting, specifically because my anxiety manifests with itching and burning skin, and the doctors can't figure out how to treat it. Which is why I couldn't make it to the make it to the podcast last night that we had originally scheduled. Yeah, it was because I've been going to doctors for like the last five years trying to figure this out. So,
1: is it like a nerve
0: thing? Where we're thinking it's that so like I'm hoping to get it figured out um but you know it's that experience for sure has definitely made me stronger and it's certainly um built up my disability poker chips if you will um just kind of just kind of having to fight that constantly because it usually lasts for like two weeks at a time and I'm not oh
1: god itchy and I I if I have one I have eczema not at all the same thing but i understand like the desire to itch and scratch and not be able to reach the spot that's itching it's horrible it's the worst
0: right (laughs) like honestly that's the worst part of it all it's like because you obviously have spastic fives so you'll understand this but once i'm in bed i can't move so i'm literally like laying there and if my back is burning and itching like i can't do anything so i'm just like laying there like Fuck! What what, what am I gonna do? Like,
1: yeah, like what what the fuck do I do?
0: (laughs) Like what? Like literally, you know, I'm like fuck disability right now because it's just like.
1: And I'm assuming I'm gonna presume you have like caregivers and stuff, so you like they put you in bed and they go right.
0: Well, they actually, I don't, I don't know what the situation is for you, but they actually spend the night with me.
1: Oh great! Well, I wish I had that. I mean, they where I live, they work in the building overnight, so they're, they're there. But they're also caring for 18 other people. So oh my goodness. If I call at like 4 a.m. and say, hey, I'm itchy or I need to be rollover or I had an IBS attack, any of those things could happen. Um and they they'll go, cool, we'll be there in like an hour. Best of luck to you. And it's like, well, great. That's <laughs> great. Not what,
0: yeah, that's not what I need.
1: Um, but let's we just dove right in, which I love doing. But I want to backtrack just a little bit. And I want to ask you, Megan, um, how no, I know you have spastic CP, spastic quadruple CP. Me too. Yay, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. How does your CP play a role in your day to day life?
0: Wow, um, that's such a simple question and yet such a big answer. I know uh, because it, my CP impacts every single day. Um, obviously, like I require twenty four seven care. So people are always here, but more so, like you know, um, but more so, it's just like I, interestingly enough, like um, I find myself like getting frustrated a lot that I need help with basic things. Like I can't take myself to the bathroom, so somebody else has to help me. Like right,
1: I know just Isn't the lack the fact- of
0: independence in my we- life. Yeah. Frustrates me and angers me. And then I'm left with this like disability grief that that's nobody's fault. Like nobody, yeah. nobody can fix it. So like I often sit and wonder, like, do I talk about it?
1: Oh, yes, please. Or- oh, yes, please. This is the exact place you could talk about it. This, right. It's, one of my favorite things as a disabled person is to like, and I've been thinking about this more and more as I do my activism. I love I love sitting in disability grief because no one talks about it. We're told, and you know this, we're told as disabled people with complex disabilities to put a smile on our face and just move through it. It's no big deal. everybody goes through this, right? It's just life and it's like no, no, people don't go through this like we do. No
0: it's, it's not the same. Right. And I think for me what what is the what's the most complicated piece for me as far as disability grief is I is I'm what I like to call a protector of my family. So I don't bring any of this up with them specifically because I don't want, you know, I have an identical twin sister who I adore. I mean, um,
1: does she also and, have spastic color
0: No. So she walks and that's fine. Like I, I joke around with her all the time that I live vicariously through her. So do all the crazy shit that I can't do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like my 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 younger brother is a musician in toronto and he he when he was like he learned to crawl from me so when i used to when i when we were kids my job was to crawl down the hallway to the kitchen to get my cardio up so i would crawl like a commando like you know when you're a cp kid you're gonna crawl right. with one leg up and one leg is gonna dead weight and so my brother learned to crawl the way i did but then as he got older he could do like like you know somersaults and jumping jacks and all this stuff and he was like when we were kids he would be jumping off of like like swings and all the stuff that i can never do and we always used to say like okay andrew's living vicariously through you so so do all the crazy stuff because andrew can so you better so i get it
0: right no absolutely um but i think it's interesting to me because i've never really considered myself an angry person but the way my but the way my disability grief manifests is just pure rage and like I hold it like I'm not kidding like I'm literally just like oh this is so frustrating like and I'll literally be sitting on the toilet and I'll be like god damn it I can't like get up myself and do this like I have to wait for the caregiver to hear me to get off the toilet like you know because I'll yell their name And so like, I'll be like, shit, you know, like simple things like that. And then like, when it comes to relationships, the, the complex, the complex, like I'm talking dating relationships. So when it comes to like relationships, what happens is, is like, I literally, when I was, when I was into this guy that I was like, when I was into this guy that I was talking to, he, um, he went to school with me right yeah turns out him and my caregiver were dating and I didn't realize that
1: Uh,
0: oh I was like oh my god that's so sad oh it's so
1: hard because like you have to see your caregiver and like you want to be happy for them because like happiness but also fuck of course
0: sucks you know like
1: yeah of course it does of course um like, like there's so many things I want to touch on there like disability grief is so real and I'm so glad that like I want you to talk about it more please find it out like if I can help you make it out let's talk about it more like we need to because it's something that I think all of us with disabilities experience but no one has language for it and I am just starting to kind of wade into that stuff and I'm, I love it because it's it's a way to talk about things that we don't that we're not supposed to talk about as disabled people are like no let's go there so so at any point during this episode, if you want to bring up the grief again, we can go there.
0: Well, and I was just thinking as you were talking, there was a piece that I wrote when I was in the midst of a depressive episode and it was all about disability. It was all about like my rage and my pain. And one of the pieces that, like one of the things I wrote was the question was, how do I, how do I deal with the vulnerability my disability demands of me that was the question that I wrote down to answer as part of a journal entry yeah and, and I said I don't know I don't know how I'm gonna you know freaking deal with this um but you know I'm and and I was describing I used to attend a camp for people with disabilities
1: me too was, was just, it awesome did you love every second of it I was yeah it I, lo-
0: I think for the first 10 years when I was a kid I I appreciated it more um for sure. Once I got older, I was like, okay, I've done this like, you know, 23 times. Cause yeah. I went for, I went from like age six to 23. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. Um, the staff for the staff were really, really fantastic. They were some of the most empathetic people I know. Um, and they were really, really good at just treating us like basic humans. Yeah. Like, And I really, like, when I would go there, I would really feel, like, connected. Like, oh, my God, I can just be Megan. My chair doesn't freaking matter, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. and I felt the same way when I went to camp. I went from 6 to, like, 18. And it's where I learned. It's where I realized that I was gay. It's where I realized that I, like, definitely like boys. It's where I realized that, like, I basically grew up there every summer. And I went every summer. And just like you're saying, every summer I would go. And my chair didn't matter. We'd figure it out. No big deal. It's okay. And it was like such, I wish we had places like that for adults in the world to like disabled adults to go like a week for the summer to just be disabled and be around other disabled folks who you can see every year. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be the same as a 37 year old person, but if somebody called me right now and said the camp's reopened, do you want to go? I think I would just start crying with joy because yeah.
0: Yeah. And absolutely, that makes total sense because I feel like for me, Camp created a can created um a connection to the outside world outside of disability. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times when I was when I was growing up, like when I was 12, 13, 14, you know, around that age, I always felt I always felt that I had to, you know, make myself stand out more or make myself seem more interesting to regular peers because I was like, okay, what can I tell them about me that doesn't, that's normal? You know what I'm saying? That's that's regular. Um, That's something they would connect
1: to. And you can't be like, guess what? I can't wipe my, I can't like wipe my bum today because they'd be like, oh, I don't understand what that means.
0: Right. Or like, I can't be um like when I was 16 I had a spinal fusion um and it was me too
1: are we basically the same person like where why haven't we become friends before I don't understand right
0: like oh my god like real it was it's it's ridiculous how connected I feel to you right now I know know. are we literally the same person because
1: I also had spinal fusion at 16
0: oh my goodness that's that's crazy um and to be honest, I, that would be the only surgery I would redo because the surgeon was like Channing Tatum hot, and I'm like, you can operate on me anytime.
1: Listen, listen. If one of the doctors from Grey's Anatomy wants to do a surgery on me, I'm there for it. I mean, I would like. Oh to- I
0: love Grey's. Like, I'm a major Grey's fan. Like,
1: yes, I, w- I would want it to be Derek Shepherd. You know, come back from the dead. Don't be dead. But like, <laughs> sure. Or who? Which Grey's character do I really like right now? I mean, I've kind of stopped caring. The last five seasons have not been my favorite. But I mean, the original, like, if Alex Karev wants to operate on me, sure. Can we? All, can you operate, and then can we fuck around
0: later? <laughs> right? No. No shit. Um, like. <laughs> like yes, please. He's this Gordon.
1: episode. This episode basically just became two friends talking about life.
0: Like <laughs> right. Um. Absolutely. Um. You're like my home. You're my homie, Andrew. Like I, I don't care. Like
1: I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here for it. I'll be your ride or die. It's fine,
0: right? Like <laughs> real. Um, you're officially my ride or die. Like, so. Um, um, but no. So I'm also obsessed with this other TV show. I don't know if you get it in Canada, but it's called The Residence. And- I
1: I have seen it, and I know it has Logan Hunsberger in it from Gilmore Girls, also my favorite show in the, from the early 2000s. Um i was obsessed with him i have never watched it but i've seen it a bunch of times like i've seen it advertised i've just never like sat down and looked at it but maybe i'll have to
0: he's gorgeous (laughs)
1: do it okay Um, so before we got on to the tangents of which boys we liked you were talking about um the journal entry you were writing about like how do i connect to vulnerability can we go back there for a second
0: yeah, sorry, I I I go off on tangents. Oh no, I,
1: I, me too. I love the tangents, but I was like, I want to hear more about the the question.
0: So, um, the question was, how do I, um, how do I deal with the vulnerability my disability demands of me? And I was literally describing, um, because at twenty three, that was my last year at camp, and I was going through like a major depressive episode. That was my very first one. Um,
1: cool. And so. <laughs> What? Cool. Cool. Yeah, right.
0: Like cool. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. So I coped with it by writing. And I remember writing like, you know, I remember writing in there. I remember saying, like, I can actually pull it up so I can read you a direct quote. Yeah, I do it.
1: I'm do I'm let's yeah, let's like go into to Megan's journal. I'm, I'm here for it. Yes, I'm ready. Because I feel like you would appreciate it. I would. 110 percent hold
0: on one second sorry
1: no worries disability life right. take your time
0: like, everybody listening
1: knows that five minutes in in non-disabled time is like is like 25 minutes in disabled time so take your time don't even worry all
0: right all right so let's see if i can pull it up The heck why does it pull up like that okay um so the first question is how do i deal how do i accept the vulnerability my disability demands of me and i said i honestly don't know if i can accept the vulnerability my disability demands of me i'm i'm so incredibly tired of it um i'm just tired I'm just tired of having to do this, having to do it out of necessity. And it's with certainty that I know I'm running out of endurance. How do you explain that? How do you explain? How do you, how do you explain that kind of clarity? I feel completely broken. And, and it was with that. And it was that summer, it was all about the pain I was feeling like I was angry at the fact that like nobody else had, nobody else in my life that i knew had to had to you know have somebody else shower them it's like in the way i described it to a cam concert i was like you get to choose what because they were like why are you so angry you know was like because you get to choose when you get to take your clothes off and you're probably you know those are with partners i don't get to choose
1: yeah yeah well i get
0: to who, who
1: gets to see me vulnerable and naked and, and
0: right I don't get to choose that so forgive me for being snippy when you're telling me that I have to give other other staff an opportunity I don't owe them anything
1: yeah and I think you know that that that's really it's so hard I don't think people understand like you know you don't get to choose you who, who gets to see you naked and the irony is when you do get to choose nobody wants to see you naked because they're afraid of your disability. Like, right. how fucking ridiculous is that? that? That, like, most of your life, you have no choice. And then when you do get to a point where you, like, you want to have sexual agency and you want to decide to take that step, everyone's like, oh, uh, you're too disabled for me. I can't deal with it. And it's like, fuck, man. Like, why?
0: <laughs> right. And, I, I mean, I do have to admit, as, as a disabled person, you know, I joke around with my family all the time that, you know, when I get a partner, they're going to be able-bodied because my biggest fear with like having, and again, this is not against my community whatsoever, but my biggest fear with having a disabled partner is not having the privacy to have it just be between the two of us. You know what I'm saying? And having to have a third party because that just, to me that's not how I want my first sexual experience to be it's just not how I want it to be but it's you know eventually you know I'm gonna need care and that's the other part too of having disability and a sexuality is you have to require care for those kinds of things and it's the level of vulnerability that almost like creates a mental block for you in a lot of different ways um yeah just because you you want to be normal and you want to have that experience, but then at the same time you're like, uh, I don't really want someone, someone helping me with. Something. I don't want
1: a third party in the room unless we're all doing the same thing, <laughs> right. right?
0: Exactly. Um, and,
1: and I get it. And I, you know, for a long time, and sometimes even now, like I, I will think yeah, I definitely only want to date able-bodied guys and I only want to sleep with able-bodied guys because it's easier. And I know, I know 100% the ableism that I just said there, but it is an honest thought that I've had because you you have to think about the logistics and I've made out with some really hot dudes in wheelchairs and we've had like great, it's been real fun. But (laughs) if they were to ever say to me like, can we move to the bedroom? Like, can we go further? I'd be like, I don't know what to do now. I don't know what, what, how do
0: I, how, how? Right. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I was getting at and alluding to um, because I don't know if I would be comfortable um, or not, not that I won't be comfortable, but it would just, it would be a weird situation for me because I'm used to being the only disabled person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I me you know what i'm saying we're so literally
1: the same person we are literally like what how have we not been friends before this like, right,
0: like <laughs> we I actually to- speaking of speaking of us being friends i actually started following you because of a post you had made about disability loneliness and at that time it was like a i remember it being like late at night and i was just like Dude, this guy is so raw and so honest, and it's like so freaking accurate. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, well that makes me
1: happy because sometimes I post it on Instagram or Twitter or wherever I post it, and be like, I don't know if anyone's gonna like this. I don't know if it's like worth posting, but I'll put it up there, whatever. But like, I'm I'm really glad. And I mean, the minute this is done, I'm getting your phone number because we're we're <laughs> like I need a text friend, and I've decided it's you. Um. Um. But one of the things I also want to talk about, and one of the things that I think is really important that we talk about a little bit, and you can totally lead this discussion. Um, I want to talk, you mentioned on the forum that you have experienced some caregiver abuse, and I also have experienced that. And as comfy as you are, did you want to share some of that story?
0: Yes, I will. And first, I just... I wanna say that I listened to your caregiver abuse story. Um, You are incredibly strong for sharing that story. That's a very vulnerable um, story to share Um, um, when it comes to um, being disabled and having to be that vulnerable. And I just, I I wanna applaud you for that. And I also, and when I listened to that, I was like, damn, I see him like, you know, I want him to know that he's not alone. So we're definitely not alone. Oh, and thank yes, you. Yeah, thank and you. I will, and I will share as much as I can. Yeah, um,
1: I'm as much as you're comfy with, and then when you're not
0: comfy, we'll change topics. It's fine. Um, so I was, I wasn't, I was, I was verbally and emotionally abused, um, and it was a lot of comments, um. Re- and a lot of it had to do with um, personal care needs. Um, and I'm trying to be as vague as possible because I live in a small town. Yeah. Um, but it dealt a lot with this This person um, was part of my care team um, in an in a academic setting. And so... Okay, um, so they
1: were your AEA in school?
0: Um. Yes. Okay. And so what happened was, um, and I I give this I give this I'm not making excuses, but I understand where this person is coming from. This in the town that I live in, the special education department is very very understaffed. So this person would be teaching, and I would need something from them, and they would and because of their overwhelming frustration. They would snap at me unnecessarily. And because I'm a sensitive person, like it would really affect me and I would go home and I'd be really upset. My parents didn't even know about it until this year. Wow. So.
1: And I think, you know, that's, that's something that's really important to highlight is so many of us who receive care, like the only, when I was abused and I was abused physically and emotionally and, and all those things too. When I, when I was abused, the only reason that my family knew was because I phoned my mom right away, like in hysterics, crying, being like, this is happening to me right now. Please fix this. But a lot of us who go through abuse and who go through abuse, especially in the care system, when I was abused, I called the police and the police said, well, what do you mean something happened? He was just trying to help you. So what I'm saying is that no one understands the level of trust that we have to put in somebody. And when they break that trust, whether it be through physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and like especially comments around our care and our body and what we need, that sucks us up really a lot. And people don't realize the extent to which that is abuse. They think, oh, that person was just just trying to help you. So what are you upset about? And it's like, no, 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 this is abuse.
0: Right. And the sad thing is I was 16 when this started. So I didn't even realize that what was happening to me Was abuse until I got out of high school. Yeah, and and so I, and the reason why that is is because I just thought I was sensitive. So I always thought, oh, I, you know, I'm just sensitive. So I let it slide because nobody else seemed to be affected.
1: And everybody was probably telling you that, like, like if you did speak to anybody, like I have, I'm getting a sense that people have told you most of your life that you're sensitive. (laughs)
0: Uh, in with regards to that with not necessarily my family but when I was in that situation um I would get a lot of responses um of like are you sure that's really how you feel like are you sure oh so you
1: were were just being gimplighted by everybody (laughs) they were basically right are you sure that are you sure that really happened disabled girl who doesn't know anything
0: are you sure let's like right are you are you sure this is how you truly feel? That kind of thing. Okay, I um, don't know
1: if this is a term now, but gimp lighting should totally be a term. And don't gimp light disabled people. If right? something happens, if something happens, like then let them tell the truth. Right. Um, but I don't think people recognize and I, this is why I think it's amazing that you want to go into mental health for disabled people because they can come to you and say, my caregiver verbally abused me or emotionally abused me or physically abused me and I need to talk to somebody who gets it. And you as a counselor can say, you don't have to say like, I was all you don't have to share that, but you can sit with them and hear that those stories and give them concrete advice from another person who went through it. And I think that that's really valuable.
0: Right. And I, and shout out to, you know, I'm not going to say their name, but shout out to the therapist that I currently have. Um, they've been super helpful with, you know, helping me work through this, You know, through this trauma, Um, and, you know, through other various traumas that I've gone through in my life. Um, And, you know, just overall, I'm, I'm, I, I, while I know I didn't deserve the abuse that I got, I feel like it gives me, it gives me an understanding and appreciation for the fact that people just need to be kind.
1: Yeah. And that's not to say that care, listen, we're not saying that taking care of people isn't a fucking hard job. It's hard. And I know because I deal with kickers every day and you deal with kickers every day. And we're not saying we don't empathize with like it is not an easy job. And it's emotionally taxing and it's physically taxing and it's hard. But that doesn't that doesn't negate the fact that you cannot abuse your client just because you're (laughs) overwhelmed. Yeah, you're not you can't do that. And so in my case of abuse when it happened to me, the guy was overwhelmed, the guy was upset, the guy flew off the handle, and I remember it very clearly, and I remember him being really upset, and looking back on it, you know, maybe I was a little prick, maybe I didn't say, maybe I was, you know, didn't say all the right stuff, but that doesn't negate the fact that you, you can't, trap somebody in their bed for two hours just because they swore you like that's not how that works
0: right no like no and i'm and i'm not gonna go into specific details with my situation because but i'm just not going to because that's beside the point but I, i certainly do think um i certainly do think um my experiences with that have led me to want to help other people in that um as far as mental health. Um, I think,
1: and I think I think you know I'm gonna connect you with my friend Kristen right after this. I'm gonna like the there are other people who, who have the exact same mindset you do. Maybe maybe it's a podcast with like you, Kristen and Jessica could do like a, a disabled ladies talk mental health show. Like they, I don't know, but I'm thinking about all these ideas because there needs to be more people talking about disability and mental health care. And the fact that you three and the three of you have come on the show separately to talk to me about this and like it needs to be a thing so I'm gonna I'm definitely going to use my influence to connect the three of you together um and maybe and even if not maybe like something could come of it
0: of course I I'm more than willing to I'm I'm more than willing to do that and I'm I'm grateful that you're willing to do that um but yeah I mean I certainly I certainly truly believe that um, the disabled experience in our lives as disabled people, the the darker, not the darker sides per se, but the more taboo side, the more not talked about topics need needs to be brought to light yeah. a lot more than it is.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree. And that's part of why I do what I do on social media and part of why I have this show and part of why we're like, part of what i love to do in the show is to talk about that really tough shit that that no one else is getting at and that's and i'm excited that we are we're doing that today um one of the things you said in the form that i totally was connecting with when i read it was you want to talk about touch starvation and wow do i have feelings about that this past 2 years how do you feel about that
0: i i think touch starvation is a major is a major i wouldn't say well, let's just call it what it is. It's a major problem for the disabled community, and let me explain why. Even though, even though disabled people get touched by caregivers all the time, it is a clinical touch. It is not a, you know, it is not a like
1: sensual or soothing or even calming right. touch.
0: Yeah, it's it's not like that. Um, and for me, you know, one thing that I, <laughs> I'm kind of jealous of you for or more jealous of Canada and their system but you know I you know I'm well aware that you know or correct me if i'm wrong but i think Canada has more um access to like companies that can assist people um as far as like getting touch. access to touch and things like that this um
1: yeah, yes and no technically I'll, what i understand is that it's not illegal to be a sex worker or a body worker in Canada, but it is illegal to hire one. So while I while I still hire the guy that I the people that I hire, technically I shouldn't. So it's a it's a weird gray area where like it's not illegal to to to, to provide those services, but it is illegal to to purchase them. It's very weird. So like when the people that I work with come over, we're just two friends hanging out. We're just two like people hanging out. And I will have happened to pay them, you know, some money for that hangout. They don't like, no one needs to know what it was. It's very, it's a gray area. But I talk right. about it. I talk about sex work constantly because I think it does need to be. And t- and it's funny because I spoke to somebody earlier who earlier today, actually who hired a cuddler and was feeling shame around that. And they were feeling like morality of do, did they do the right thing? And I wish that, sexual services and just touch services not even sex it's just touch services were provided to disabled people through through like ssi and through like disability support pensions because we deserve it and we deserve the chance to feel that way and if we needed it paid for then someone's going to help us out
0: right and i i certainly believe that i certainly believe that um, I remember because when I when I think about, you know, disability and sexuality as a whole, I certainly think that um, there's a lot of taboo around it. And so therefore, you know, when I was learning about disability and sexuality as a whole, I went, I went to the internet, right? So there's a ton of different <laughs> shit on the internet, right? so it's not necessarily like
1: the most most accurate information,
0: but you're also trying to figure out, okay, like, you know, how would, you know, how would, you know, dating work for me? How would exploring my sexuality work for me? Like, how does that look different than, you know, an able-bodied person that can go and, you know,
1: properly go to a bar
0: and like, you know, find someone to hook up with. Like it, It looks differently simply because, like, you know, because you have to factor in caregivers are here. How Mm -hmm. are you, like, if you need to go to the bathroom, you're not going to be like, oh, by the way, like, you're not going to be asking the person that you made out with.
1: I mean, I did it once in college. There was a guy when I was, like, 22. There was a guy that I was hooking up with. He was much older than me. (laughs) And he was hot. And I had a thing for him. But I was a rude 22-year-old who never, like, properly, like, saw the value in this person I was really an asshole so, but anyway when we first hooked up I had to pee and I was at his place and I couldn't there was no one else around it was like two in the morning and we had just fucked around and I was like oh fuck I gotta pee I gotta pee and he in his kindness to me and I wish I had had the forethought to be a good human and like thank him properly the guy got a, a coke can and like cut it open for me and was like there pee into this and I was like you know it was a really sweet thing you did because right. I, I went pee and then we fucked around again and it was like really kind and I but in my 22 year old like haste to be a young person I was like cool thanks bye when I should have been like dude that was one of the kindest things you've done for me like the end that right. has ever been done for me because most guys wouldn't do that
0: right and a lot of a lot of like I'm not going to lie. I haven't dated a lot. So like a lot of, a lot of the experiences that I've had are through online dating. My first boyfriend, if you want to call it lasted 48 hours, um, simply because I don't know. I like, I don't hide the fact that I'm disabled on my profile. It's out there. I'm open. I think you know me well enough to know that I'm open as hell as or as much as I can be.
1: I mean in Um, this last 40 minutes I've learned so much about you that I do feel like I know you well enough to know that.
0: Right. But like so like I don't know. And so um and I fell for him hard. He was a poet. Um one of the kindest men still that I still talk to that he's like Megan I just realized that I that I that you know I'm not the guy for you and I'm really sorry. And all, all I could say to him is, you know, I, I I, appreciate your honesty. Like, I hope you find what you're looking for because you're a beautiful human and I love you. Did,
1: did you ask I, him, like, why he wasn't the guy for you?
0: Well, I mean, he basically said, like, he thought about it and he he, um, he thought he could handle my disbelief, but he didn't think that, well another issue of it was he wanted to have kids and I was like you know I I love you enough to tell you that I I don't want kids I couldn't physically have kids like I love you enough to let you go and you know so that was kind of my experience
1: wait Um, so you met this guy online and then within like wait, you met him on an online dating and then you like hung out or you just kept sending messages back being like I love you how did how did how did I love you come in so fast
0: no 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 okay so i'm sorry so we met online in like august right okay okay and so we knew each other for like october november till october november he asked me out and then two days later um he broke up with me and i'm like wait a minute like you knew about this already like and so i was i was hurt obviously but i also understood where he was coming from because you know it and like Maybe it's just my empathetic nature, but I really wasn't angry at him because I thought he was gonna change his mind. He never did.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you know what what you're talking about falling hard and like wanting to say I love you fast and wanting to do all that stuff is because like we and I, I am right there with you and I'm one of those people that like if you give me if you give me the time of day and you're cute, I'll love you tomorrow. It's right? because it's because like we don't get the chance to ever experience that and So when I get when I like somebody, even a little bit, I will use the L word way too liberally and way too freely. And, you know, but we do it because disability doesn't allow for us to when you and I were 16, 17, we were having surgeries. We weren't, you know, making out. Yeah, (laughs) we weren't making out and being silly. So it's almost like we're having a second adolescence now. Right. No,
0: absolutely. I I totally agree with you and it for me it's definitely it's one of those things where I'm like you know I'm 28 but I feel like an 18 year old when it comes to dating because I'm like
1: I can't believe how young you are you're 28 but you're talking like you're like you're talking like you're like 38 40 like you you have you have some wisdom in there and I, I like I like I really value that for you.
0: Well, and I, I certainly appreciate that you value it because, um, you know, I was, you know, it's one of those things where I, where I try to look at things w- when it comes to dating from the other person's perspective a lot of the time. So, but and here's the problem with that. I give empathy way too freely and don't allow myself to understand that somebody hurt me too.
1: Yeah, you know what too. I'm saying? I always, I'm exa- I am 100% know what you're saying and I'm exactly the same way. I will put it on myself and be like, well, I fucked up. It must be my problem. It must be me. I must have done something wrong because clearly, like, this person's amazing. Even when they do an ableist thing or do something that's clearly wrong and I should call them on it, I'll be the one to be like, no, no, it was me. It was totally my fault. Sorry, sorry. Like, right. I'm Canadian. So my first instinct is to always apologize. And I'm Canadian and disabled, so I apologize before anything happened. I'm like, "Oh, sorry that I'm in the room. I'll just get out of the way because, uh, like, oh, I'm disabled. Sorry, sorry." And All they're right. just like, "It's fine. Don't worry about it."
0: It's almost like we—it's in like I speak for myself, but I—I feel like you would feel the same way. But it's almost like we—we we know that we know that we're so much for society that we almost have to apologize for our full existence.
1: Yeah, and you do it almost as a reflex. You do yeah. it like it's literally a reflexive practice. You don't. You don't even realize you said sorry, but you might have said sorry like eight hundred times. And the person's like, "Shut up, Andrew. You've said sorry. I get it. Move on." And you can't because you know, like deep in your soul, if you don't apologize, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're in their able bodiedness they're gonna like get up and leave you, and you're gonna be like, what do I do now?
0: Right. Absolutely. And you know, I don't know. My my brain's kind of ADHD for a second. But one thing that I thought of when you were talking, and you know, when you said the word anxiety, I automatically flash back to a post that you had written about regulating water intake.
1: Oh yeah, the one that I did the other day.
0: Yeah, because like I I totally feel that because if I'm in a public space and I'm with the caregiver and the bathroom is not accessible, I'm like, shit, what do I do? Or if I go on a date with someone and the bathroom's not accessible, like shit, like. If I no. go on a
1: date with a guy, and I mentioned this in a, one that I recorded this morning, if I go on a date with a guy I don't eat, like, he'll be, they'll be like, do you want something? Do you want food? And i am like, no, no, I'm not, I'm okay, I'm good. Because, no, for like, real, I
0: don't eat either. I don't eat.
1: I sit and I watch them eat and I go, I hope that whatever you're eating is great because if I eat and drink, that means I'm going to have to pee or my IBS is going to decide that now is the perfect time to flare. And then, like, what do I do? So, like, I think when you're disabled, you have to and you're dating or you're trying to like hook up or just get to know somebody like those typical things when does like go get a drink go get some food it's really hard and I went on a date with a wheelchair user a few months ago and we had it was fine we went out for drinks it was summertime it was fine but the whole time I was sitting there thinking um like I can't and I got chicken fingers because I was like okay that's an edible food that I can eat like I'll just get chicken tenders and it's fine. And they were like, Oh, it's on the kid, the kid's menu. And I was like, whatever, fine. So we did it. But I, all I was thinking was like, what if, <laughs> like, what right. if I need, what if I need something? And he was more able-bodied than I was. He was more like able than I was. Um, So he helped me do a couple of things, but I just remember feeling like, if, if he wasn't here, what would I do?
0: Right. No, and that's just it. It's like, You know, and for that's just it, like without without even wanting to, you know, we rely on other people without even wanting to. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like our bodies, the way I look at it, the bodies are rebelling against what we want, you know, because we can't walk. So we we have to ask for these certain things like for like your comment about not eating on dates. I do that, too for two specific reasons. One, I struggle with like getting my face clean in a timely manner, or like if I bite into a sandwich and the sandwich falls apart, like I have half the sandwich hanging <laughs> out of my mouth. Like
1: I'm giggling because I've been exactly where you are. And also the comment about like wanting to clean your mouth off in time is again, it it goes back to some internalized ableism we all have of like, if I don't clean my mouth off right now, someone's gonna think I'm dirty and they're gonna think that I don't take care of myself or that I'm not being taken care of. So I better clean off the mustard really fast or like whatever I'm eating really fast so that I look presentable to the world.
0: Right. And I don't I don't know if you struggle with this too, but one thing I've noticed about holidays surrounding food, like Thanksgiving, for example, is a very stressful time for me um, specifically because you know, a lot of times when I, when I'm with, when I'm with extended family who, you know, cause I've extended family that come up to see, to see me and my family and stuff like that. So we typically host Thanksgiving, my family and I do. Yeah. So there's people that aren't around me 24. There's people that's, that aren't around me normally. So yeah. that gives me a lot of anxiety because if I have to be like mom. If mom's like across the table, if my mom's sitting across from me and I'm like, mom, can you cut this? And I'm just like, I feel like I put, I feel like that just brings the spotlight back to the fact that I can't, you can't
1: do the thing. Right.
0: And, then, and it's just like, I feel like it like beams off of me. And then um, it,
1: it can feel like in the situations and my mom is, when I go to visit her, she's my primary caregiver. Like she lives about an hour away. And so I go and visit her like pretty much every weekend or every other weekend or like pretty, pretty regularly. I'm there. And she doesn't care. And we're we're, like, nobody cares if she has to help me, but, but I have the same fear you do of like, I don't want to have to ask you to cut this. I don't want to have, to. I don't want you to feed me this. Like, I'll let you do it because whatever, nobody gives it, nobody gives a shit. But like in a big gathering when you don't see people Regularly, who don't understand the nuance of care, that that's a lot of stress for sure.
0: Right, and uh, and absolutely too. It's also very. It's also like I don't know if my insecurity surrounding that issue makes it more apparent.
1: Oh, probably one hundred percent. Because the minute you're insecure, your spasticity is like, I'm right there. Let's be spastic and weird together. Like, yeah, yeah, (laughs)
0: right. Like, it's like, hello. Like, it can't be. It can't just be it can't just be stressed it has to be spastic nerves too you know <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you can't just be like you know be, get people with CP. we don't we can't keep a secret because our face is it away we can't right. re, like we can't like relax because our face is it away like fuck spasms like shit so yeah it probably is totally connected
0: right and i and i kid you not like when you emailed me tonight and said, like, can you start earlier?" i was like okay and my sister was literally, like, helping me fix the camera so that the lighting was good. And I was, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was, like, oh, my God. You have to leave now. And I literally kicked her out of the house.
1: You, you should have just emailed back and been, like, no, bitch. I need, I need 21 minutes. And I'd be, like, cool. Thanks. so worry.
0: But, like, no, for real. It was fine. But, like, I was just, like, oh, my. Like, I literally, like, I don't know if you could tell. But I was totally, like, having a spastic reaction with my voice at the time. Like, I, I, when I first got on camera, I was like, oh my God, I need to breathe.
1: <laughs> yeah. I could hear the CP nerve. was like, and then when you said you were nervous, that's, that's why I kept saying you like, don't worry. It's fine. Literally it's me. I'm recording this like in my bedroom. So no, no stress, no pressure. Um, what else did I want to talk to you? But there's so much more we could we, like you and I could sit for like 10 more hours and have a discussion basically. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, so you're, working to be you're working to be a social worker right Mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about like the the ableism and the education system there have you experienced any of that
0: oh yes yes I have um I'm rather fortunate however but yes I have experienced I've experienced people um like for example I have my associate's degree in human services um, from a local technical college in Wisconsin, yep. Yep. and I remember it. I remember it was my last year in my in my human services program, and I remember hearing a comment from someone um, who basically said, "Are you sure that this is the field for you? Because if it's just going to cause you frustration." Then you shouldn't be in here. And the reason why I was I was getting frustrated was because I was in I was in I was in an internship placement that was a CCS program. So the CCS program is a community comprehensive um, community comprehensive community services program. So it's a community based program. So people aren't coming to the office. You have to go see them, right? And, and that, obviously, that, as a disabled person, you can't go into people's houses yeah 90, so like I, I just got so frustrated because i was like look at my gpa like i i graduated like 4.0 every single semester from that wow. program so.
1: first of all amazing congratulations like shit
0: <laughs> i <laughs>
1: certainly didn't finish my my degree with four point anything i <laughs> my school had a weird 12 point system i don't understand why and like i certainly didn't didn't do the best like, so good for you man that's that's amazing
0: well and I think and it was just it it was a it was a tough ride though but like I in the program I had really good instructors but here now now that um I actually now that we're talking about this this reminds me of another um example of ableism in academic in academia so right now I'm currently at a technical college pursuing general studies so I can complete my general studies and then just go straight into social work courses when I get to the four-year university that I want to go to, right? Yeah. And so, and so this four-year university um, was the best in the state for people with disabilities because they had a caregiving program.
1: And then they did it get shut down because...
0: Yeah, it got shut down. So I now think I, I, I think
1: I read about it. I think I read about that. What, what was the school called again?
0: Um, so it was UW Whitewater. So
1: I'm pretty sure it was in some news article somewhere that they had to shut it down, and people were pissed. People were like, "What?"
0: Yeah. So I was I was not happy. It literally had me breaking down in tears because I'm like, "That is my academic future, and that was the only way I was going to get to." UW-Whitewater and have a regular college experience was with the help of that program
1: yeah. and so
0: yeah. now I'm looking at you know pursuing my bachelor's degree online instead of going in person you know
1: and uh, that's so hard because when you go to college in person like when you I mean it's a bit it's a bit different when, when you're our age but like when you're a mature student going to college it's a bit different but like if I hadn't been able to be 19 and go away to school and like meet friends and make mistakes and be like a, and be silly and do ridiculous things that were really unsafe and like you know if I didn't get the chance to do all that I would have been so upset and I I th- I wish that there were more schools across the world that understood the value of having an attended care program attached to your school and how how important it is. Uh,
0: no, absolutely. Because um, I certainly believe that if that if um UW Whitewater um had that program still I would be going to a four-year university within the next two years you'd probably and, also
1: be like dating a hot like
0: yeah, and football doc
1: or a doctor or like you know
0: that right I mean and the way I, the way I look at you know sexuality as a whole like I date people I'm not I'm not opposed to gender. Um,
1: oh, cool, cool. Uh,
0: so I'm very open with regards to that, and the reason why I'm being so open on this podcast is because, you I'm know, best. I feel like I feel like people <laughs> with disabilities need to be, you know, they need to know that it's okay to be like, I don't know, like I don't know, like they they just need they need to know that it's okay to talk about these topics, yeah, in public form because. Everybody
1: has a sexuality. Even if you don't have access to your sexuality, you still have a sexuality. Um, right. And you, even if you can't express it as freely as, say, like, you know, the porn star you see on Twitter or, like, the person that's, you know, taking a really sexy butt pic, even if you can't do that, and I can't do that, and believe me, as a queer man, the amount of gay men's asses I see on Instagram every day is, I mean, thank you, but also I wish I could show mine. <laughs> like, shit. Right. So... Um, But yeah, I agree with you and I I wanted to like, as comfy as you are, talk a little bit more about like, sexuality with you. Um, And we were talking kind of about dating and kind of about like, how we don't see wheelchair users in dating situations. I think we were. And like, so I have been thinking about I wish we could see more complex, complexly disabled people in dating situations so so like not the not the really sexy guy in the sleek manual chair that like had a car accident and is now paralyzed like that story is important and valuable and it should be shown too but i'm talking about i wish we have more stories of like the person with complex disabilities spastic quadriplegic cp who like who also wants to fuck or who also wants to go on dates like where are those narratives and i wish we saw more of that
0: right and I certainly and I certainly um wish that in in response to your question I certainly wish there was more representation on for example like Netflix you know because there used to be a show I don't know if it aired in Canada but it was called Speechless and it was about in
1: Canada yeah it did
0: yeah okay so like I wish there was more I wish there was more representation about what dating looks like for a disabled person and certainly, you know, because let's be, let's be real about it. It's like, it's crazy. It's, it's like, it's so much harder than it's so much harder than an able-bodied person going on a date. Cause I also have to factor in, is this guy going to be a jerk? You know, yeah. you know, one way or another, is this guy going to be, you know, are they actually understanding or are they understanding because they want something from me?
1: And well, I think speechless was a, a very important like stepping stone i also think that it was a family-friendly sitcom so they wanted to present disability for the family which i think is a totally important piece of the conversation but i would like to see a more gritty like not gritty but a but a more mature version of that where like the main character is sucking face in a bathroom stall or wants to like go on a date with the hot person like we don't right we don't see those re- that representation and like I'm working on the new um I'm, I'm, I am consulting on the new queers folk reboot that they that they're doing I'm consulting with them on that and I've talked explicitly to them about like it needs to be fucking raunchy and sexy and like I want to see disabled people fucking and like they're like don't worry don't worry it's coming but I, I fully right. I fully like even on Grey's Anatomy, I wish we could see something like a uh, disable a wheelchair, use a power wheelchair using nurse or an orderly or like somebody that one of the main characters messes around with. How cool would that be?
0: Or then- like, I certainly feel like we should get away from the from the like stereotypical, um, stereotypical um, like because I've seen this a lot in, like. Um, tv shows where you know the the caregiver and disabled person fall in love and that's not necessarily like because that's not so
1: not realistic that's so not realistic no it's
0: it's really not because it's actually it's it's actually
1: super problematic yeah i think it's super problematic and boundary pushing because like and you know maybe two years ago i would have thought differently but now i think that we are taught when you receive care to turn that part of your brain off it's care it's they're doing their job you can't be i mean and i have some like there's a couple people where i live and they're they're attractive humans but it's they're working and they they're not there to be to fall in love with me they're there to to do my ass so i think i think this trope in popular media like like i'm thinking of me before you which i have dubbed right of course me before you because it was a horrible movie um you know that never I mean, of course, I want to fall in love with Amelia Clark, of course, I do, but
0: that's not ever gonna happen so like. well and and plus it's 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 not I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it creates a healthy picture for, for example, a teenager watching that narrative because you know, if I were a teenager watching that narrative, I'd be like, oh, so the only people that will love me are the people that care for me, yeah. Yeah. kind of mentality. Yeah. And then there's and I also have major issues with me before you. Um simply because you know obviously he had tried to kill himself in the movie and they showed like his scars and I was like I was literally sitting there watching this and I was like if I watched this as a teenager when I was a teenager and I went through shit like that would not be a good scenario because yeah. you're basically perpetuating the narrative of like oh my god Oh my god, disability is so awful. Right, and here's the issue with this: they, I find that a lot of like the a lot of the TV shows are, are you know spinal cord injuries and oh my god, it's so awful. But they yeah. don't, they don't represent people like us who live it every day.
1: Yeah, exactly. They they treat, they treat, becoming disabled, as the only narrative to being disabled. And so when we roll up and say, yo, I was born with a disability from day one, people are like, oh, you're an alien with three heads. But Johnny over there who got in a car accident and is is a full quad now because of an accident, was once like me, so I can easily accept him, but I can't accept you. And if we saw more of the narrative around, what I also want to see in narrative on TV, and I I think I mentioned this before, but if I haven't, I'll say it again. I I want to see a narrative on TV that's like, I don't know, the hot wheelchair-using person goes in the hospital and wants to date one of the hot Grey's Anatomy doctors. And the Grey's Anatomy doctor is like, I want to date you, but I'm experiencing ableism, and I don't know how to navigate that. I wish we would have storylines that talked about people's ableism in a way that was not shaming them, but was like, I'm having this discomfort. How do I navigate this?
0: right absolutely No, i i feel like that's important too um and especially because people need to be aware of their ableism like i'll be straight up honest with you i i have ableism when it comes to partners
1: oh my like, god so, so do i we talked about it like we both want to date able-bodied guys
0: like we, we and i i say this with the utmost respect for you and every, everyone that has spastic quad cp but i don't want to date my type you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's funny. I like that. Uh no, I, but I agree with you. Um, and I think seeing narratives around ableism being discussed on TV that go deeper than you're an ableist, fuck you. Like we're only seeing it now on TV. Like a couple shows have done it. Ryan O'Connell's special that used ableism on television, which was like the first time I ever heard it ever used on a TV show. But we're just tapping the surface of what ableism is on TV, and it needs to be delved into deeper not to shame characters for having it but to say like this is a thing people are going through
0: right and I totally agree and I also believe that that it needs to be accepted able and hear me when I said this ableism I feel like I feel like disabled people need to be need to be accepted for their for their ableism not shamed for it so, for example, like I've been in situations where I've told people like I don't want to date my type, and they're like, "How can you say that it is a disabled person?" And I'm like, "Because I, I'm a person too. Just because I'm, just because I'm a disabled person doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm perfect." You know? Disabled
1: people are not a monolith. We have different views and different viewpoints. And there are some disabled people that I agree with, and there are some disabled people that I'm like, "Nope, you're way out of left field. Best of luck to you." Like, we're not going to converse here. And I think. Like, I think disabled people need, I think we need a space to discuss ableism, all of us, whether we're disabled or not, in a way that doesn't shame us for having it. And I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still at the place of like, oh, we're just starting the conversation? Wow. Like, people don't even know what ableism is. We're just starting to chat about it. And I think we need to go a little bit deeper now, especially on TV
0: Right. I no, I totally agree. And I also I also think that there needs to be, like I said earlier, I think that there needs to be a healthy exploration of disability sexuality with the right partner. Like it can't it can't be this trope of caregiver sleeps with you know yeah, with, client or client yeah. wants to sleep with caregiver. Yeah. Because and
1: it's so common. It's such a it is like the trope. Like, we saw it in the sessions. We saw it in Me Before You. We saw it in that one, what was it, Rory O'Shea was here. What That was the whole storyline of that, too. Like, it's too too common. I think we need to see, like I said, I think we need to see the hot grades anatomy doctor dealing with their ableism and talking about it on TV. And I want to see, like, Owen Hunt or the glasses doctor, like, you know, the hot one that Meredith is fucking now, be like, yo, I'm having ableism. How do I deal with it?
0: I don't know. Right, like I, I would honestly if I had to choose a character from Grays, there would be two. So it would either be Arizona Robbins because she's gorgeous, like yes, please. Like but
1: also my issue with Arizona Robbins and my friend Lauren, who is a Grays fanatic, will agree with me. They forgot during some filming, she forgot which leg was which leg was amputated. So sometimes she'd limp on the wrong leg. And my friend oh, really? would watch and be like, you're ruining it because you don't know which leg you're, you're supposed to go on
0: oh my goodness I didn't even catch that but yeah that makes sense um and then who else would I I really like link like link yeah yeah I mean, like he, yes please
1: he's he's really tasty like he I just let's go um <laughs> I and I I would love to see him you know I'm thinking of like Owen Hunt grappling ableism like like you know and just having them talk about it openly and they don't, like, even when they have portrayed disabled characters on that show, they didn't use the word ableism. Whereas all of us watching were like, yo, that's ableism.
0: Why are you saying the word? Right. No, absolutely. And I also think there is space for um humor in disability too like you and I are sitting here laughing you know using you know using like yo we're you know yo we're both cripples and calling it good you know what I'm saying yeah and I feel and I feel like the able-bodied community is like oh my god did they just really say that and I'm like yeah we really did freaking just say that like get over it like we're people like
1: and I think I think the same has to be said for for our community members too, like because sometimes when I post stuff on Instagram when I talk about my stuff, people will say like, oh, I'm disabled and I'm like when you use cripple and I was like, cool, but I wasn't talking about you. Like I right. was talking about me. I was talking about my experience. So like I think that both communities need to have a sit down with each other. and I think disabled people need to stop yelling that everyone's ableist all the time because yes we are, but yelling that's not gonna not gonna move the needle forward anymore. Like you're just going to yell into the void and we have to, I'm not saying we can't be angry about it. Of course we can, but what are you doing to mobilize the anger? Like, what are you doing to like, to like, you can be mad. Sure. But can we do, can we like not yell at the able-bodied person that needs to learn? Can we maybe, I don't know, teach them?
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think teaching is the key with a lot of those things. And also I just think that overall, I believe that, you know, um, you know how they talk about people people first language. I feel like I feel like the disabled community, like as in us, meaning like people with disabilities, um, need to be respectful of whatever of what other people choose. Like you were saying, like just because you decide to use the word cripple doesn't necessarily mean that they're coming at you. And I guess, I guess here, for my, for my life story, here's a perfect example. And again, this is just my opinion but I'm going to share it with you and see what you think. Um, Ready. So do you know who Kylie Jenner is? I assume that you do. Yes. Okay. So yeah, Kylie Jenner, Um, like back in 2016 or 2015,
1: did a, did a, um, that's probably, she um, sat in the wheelchair, right?
0: Yeah, she sat in the wheelchair and like in the, the commu- article it was the referred to as went a
1: community. And the community went off. And I remember it. Yeah. Was, yeah. I, I think I too was like, what the fuck? This is not cool.
0: Well, and for me, I, I had a little bit of a different perspective simply because I took it from the perspective of how were they referring to it in the context. Because to be to be completely honest, I didn't read the article, but from what from what I gathered from my peers, I was like, you know, I, I was kind of like, you know, I, I had the mentality of it's not even a realistic wheelchair yeah. <laughs> that she's sitting in. So I was kind of more like, okay, like we, and I took the stance of while I understand where you guys are coming from, we all, you know, we also say we want to be seen as seen as regular people. And yet, here we are, you know. You know, having, you know, a discussion over a gold, or an art, like an argument over a and gold I, wheelchair.
1: Yeah, and I mean it. And I remember that. And I remember, like, and I'm sure six years ago, I was like, Fuck, "How could you do that?" No, 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 no. But like, I think we have bigger things to worry about. Like, I we have bigger things to talk about. Then Kylie Jenner's in a wheelchair. Like I, like I really don't care. I don't care. And I, right. I, like, I also watch, you know, Colleen Ballinger and Miranda Sings. And I watch her YouTube because it's fun and ridiculous. And I've so I've never heard of them. Um, they do like, just they're a big YouTuber. And so I watch her stuff. And sometimes what as the characters that she does, sometimes she sits in a wheelchair. And yes, I could I could like write big letters and be like, "Yo, that was ableist." But I'm sitting there like this isn't going to change my world right now. I have bigger things to fight, to fight about. Um, But I, I'm learning to, you know, I'm learning as an activist to let people have their anger and to not, to let them just have it. And I'm going to do my thing my way and I'm going to do what I do. And which is to like, not get angry at everybody and just, just do what I do, but let the other disabled people have their hurt because it's very real for them and I'll just move on, and that's what I'm, that's, I think, with activism, that's what I'm starting to do, I can't change everybody's opinion, I can't make everybody stop screaming ableist at everyone, but I can stop doing that, and I can, I can lead with kindness, and that's what I aim to do.
0: No, and I think that's, that's the best way to go about it with these things, and certainly, I think that, I think that as a, as a, as disabled people, we're learning too, and, you know, and I think, and I think, you know, and I also believe that, you know, as a disabled person who struggles with her own form of is internalized ableism, disability, loneliness, disability, grief, like, I mean, good Lord, do you know how many times a day where I'm just like, God damn, like, why like why do I have to have caregivers like why can't I just get out of bed when I want to get out of bed and why do we have to use a stupid lift like why like it should not take 10 minutes to go to the bathroom do you know how hard it is to hold your bladder together in the morning when you wake up like jeez like
1: try the other end trying to hold your trying to hold that in while you're while you're having IBS flares and like you look like, I gotta wait for somebody I gotta wait for somebody I can't wait for somebody oh no I get like, it
0: I, I like 100% it's
1: just get it
0: yeah and it's just the level of like okay you know and it's like sometimes I wake up and I'm just I'm I'm so angry and I think I'm so angry because I'm just like I and to kind of go into the disability burnout term that I coined because I think, oh yeah right we
1: haven't even gone there yet please go there yes
0: so I coined the term back in 2016 when I was going through my depression and I was like I'm just burned out like I'm 23 years old and I have to live with this thing for the rest of my life like what is this you know and you know you hear about caregiver burnout and guess what caregivers get to walk away from the job I don't get to walk away from my life so I'm sitting here burned out tired of having to live with this disability I don't
1: not to be like hilarious but it is hilarious you don't get to walk away from anywhere
0: (laughs) Exactly. But like, for real, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get to walk away from anything. Like, I don't, I don't, I do not get to walk out of this chair. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like you and I have the same humor. So it was totally fine. I loved it. It was fantastic. Amazing. Um, Good.
1: Because
0: like, I would you know, when I would go to camp and there would be new staff and they were, they were like so politically correct. You know what I would do? They would tell me it was time to go for a walk. And I was like, oh, too bad. I'm not much of a walker.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would say the same thing. Oh, I guess I'm not going like, oh, I guess it's not for
0: me. <laughs> right. And then the, and they're like, oh shit, did she really say that? I'm like, yeah, I really did. What are you going to do? They're not
1: sure they should, they're not sure if they should laugh or not because it like, was inappropriate. And you're like, no, it wasn't. It was hilarious.
0: Yeah. Right. And You know I don't know I just I think I think it's hilarious um and I think and I think you know disability burnout is is a thing.
1: Can you define disability burnout for us?
0: I think I think disability burnout to me means you're maxed out you've you've dealt with this disability for so long and you're just exhausted like you're exhausted with every aspect of of life but you But you want to kill the disability, but you don't want to die.
1: I get it. Uh, If that uh, makes
0: sense. So like you're exhausted, you're exhausted with having to having to have caregivers in the morning, everything, like you're exhausted to have someone come in and wake you up in the morning and all you really want to do is just get out of bed yourself. You're exhausted from having to have someone take care of, you know, take you to the bathroom. It's like the, the level of,
1: of like the most basic things that. You know the able-bodied version of us would take for granted,
0: right? And it's just like, wet, like, and then, like, for me, there are telltale signs of like, you know, am I burnt out? Well, you know, are my thoughts getting darker? You know, am I going through more of a depression? Am I going? You know, am I like, you know, do I want? Am I thinking, I want to kill the disability, but not myself? Like, that's a telltale sign of like, I'm burnt out. But you know, I'm you know, I've lived with disability burnout for 28 years. And like, I consider disability burnout and grief kind of the same thing, because I feel like they're two sides of the same coin. I would agree. Um, And I, and one thing that I just thought of is like, the disability grief and disability burnout has layers. It's like an onion. And when you're younger, you don't really understand the full magnitude of what you're going through. But once you get older, and you're like, shit I'm 28 and I've only had two relationships and they lasted like 72 hours total like
1: you know what I'm saying I'm 37 and I've had zero of that so like, I you know I understand the grief and I understand the burnout of like just trying to manage your day and then also for me it's I'm chronically ill with not only do I have CP I also have IBS I have depression I have anxiety I have and I have bodily triggers that make all of that more frustrating. And it's like what one of the things that I'm navigating now is I know how to be disabled. I have no idea how to be chronically ill and disabled and like and 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 I don't know how to do all of that. Like it's the, and the burnout of like I just want it to stop for a day. Like if somebody, if somebody came to my house right now and said we have a we have a red pill that will take away your disability for 24 hours. I would be like, where do I, get, uh, can I get some more? I like, yes, please.
0: Right. Like, no, I, and granted, I've never, I've never dealt with IV, IBS flare ups and I'm not, I'm not chronically ill, although I do consider the burning and itching a chronic issue because I've been dealing with that for five years and it just, it never seems to go away, but it's the worst. I, it's the worst. Yeah. And I, and but I just, yeah. Um, and if someone gave me a pill that said, you know, we're gonna take away this for 24 hours so you can get a relief and be a regular human, I would take it. You know?
1: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I would. I would take the pill and I would fuck. It. I would go to every gay bar in Toronto and be like, "Who am I fucking now?" Like,
0: right? And I'm like, and I would probably go and like go on Tinder and be like. Yo, who,
1: you know. Yo, let's...
0: I'd, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably be like, Bridget, who do you think is Bridget's my sister? And I'd be like, Yo, Bridget, like, who, who are some quality guys that I can go on a date with? And not even, like, not
1: even quality. Just I need to get my numbers up. Who could I go on a date with? <laughs> right,
0: like, for real, like, I'm just like, okay, yes, please, like. And yeah. the thing is, I, I literally had a guy once who said to me, and like, I had one of my friends in a picture with me and they were like i bet that's your friend she's gorgeous is she single and i'm like and i wrote back no she isn't but do you have a brother (laughs) hilarious Hilarious. right like don't be a dick if you're gonna be a dick to me i'll be i'll you know i'll be a a dick right back to to you. you
1: yeah yeah um we you and i could sit and just do this for three more hours but i know the listeners are like the listeners are like wow they talk a lot which is fine um but is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you want to talk about
0: well and i god there's so many topics that i'm running through my head right now um i think attachment is something i want to talk about as far as like you know like when i make friends you and I briefly mentioned this earlier when like we when we meet people and they're like, oh my God, they give us the time of day. And we're like, oh my God, somebody wants to talk to me. It's like, okay, okay. And like we go yeah. into hyperdrive, you know, just like, oh my God, this per, you know, they're my favorite. I call it ha- favorite person syndrome because
1: Oh, I like well, that FPS favorite person syndrome. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, cause it's like, cause it's like, for example, like if, you know. Like, for example, like, I met this woman, like, two years ago in November at, um, at, um, Bath and Body Works, and, um, I was, like, oh, my God, she's talking to me, and she was a sales associate, and she was, like, oh, my God, like, and we were talking to each other, and I'm, like, and then I wound up, like, calling her, and we're now friends and stuff like that, but she literally became my favorite person for, like, a straight month because she was Communicating back and forth, and I think that just shows like the the um, need for connection yeah. from other people that aren't our caregivers. Yeah. Like if you if you really, I mean, granted, you, you may have more friends than I do, but I could probably count on my my hand the number of friends that I have that aren't caregivers. Like two or three. Like my best friend AJ, who also has fast quad and we just sit and talk, and we just like. We're both like, yo, bro, like
1: it's hard today.
0: Yeah, it's hard today. Like, absolutely, it's hard today. I'm like, yeah. And my my friend and AJ is like, yo, Megan, like, I really, I really just want someone to love me. And I'm like, yo, I feel that. You know, I want, I want, you know, and sometimes it's just like, you know, I I want a physical relationship, you know? And it's just kind of like, but I think. And I think for me personally, I feel like the reason why those things are are so prevalent to me or like prominent in my brain is because I'm like, when am I going to get these? What is it going to look like? There's so many questions, you know? And I
1: mean, I think of it too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like way old, but I think about having a CP and what if my life expectancy is a bit shorter Like, am I ever going to get those things? And I, like, this is sometimes what keeps me up at night is like, is it going to be a thing that I get? Or is it going to be something that I'm going to just watch other people have and I'm not going to get to do it?
0: Right. And no, and I I totally, I totally feel that. And it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's like, okay. It's like, it's basically asking ourselves,
1: Am I going to die before I get to do the thing that I want to do?
0: Yeah. Or, or am I going to get what I deserve, or am I going to have to settle for what society thinks I deserve?
1: Yeah. Whoa. Deep cuts. But yes. And so right. Um, wow. <laughs> do I do want to end on a super somber note? But uh, but. I had a really fun time chatting with you today. It was so fun. And we went to so many different places and I could sit with you for another two more hours and just talk. It was a good, we had a good time. No, um,
0: absolutely. Me too.
1: So is there, do you have any final words for the people?
0: I would, I would definitely say that, um, that disability is a part of who I am, but it's not all of me. And I feel like while disability Make is definitely a strong um, component of um, who I am. It's definitely not all of me, and I feel like, you know, as a future mental health clinician, there are plenty of opportunities for us to expand the world for people with disabilities.
1: And I totally agree. And on a on a like, because that was very that was super serious. On like a fun, happy Megan Scar ending note. What do you want to say?
0: Sorry about that. Um, it was great. I mean, it was great chatting with you. It certainly was um I've I haven't had this much fun in a long time and it was it was fantastic. Um, I would do it all over again.
1: <laughs> we should like, well, like I said, I'm gonna give you my I'll give you my number when we when I'm when we when I press off, because I would love to stay in touch with you. And I'm going to send an email to, I'm going to actually phone my friend Kristen right now and be like, you and my friend Megan have to connect to each other. Cause <laughs> what you've been, what you said about mental health is how she believes mental health and disability should be. And she's going to school for that now. So you guys should definitely talk to each other. Um, but I had so much fun with you. How can the people, if they enjoyed our two hour talk about everything disability, how can they get a hold of you?
0: So um, my Instagram is um, m scar s-k-a-a-r 2242 and then my my facebook is just my name megan m-e-g-a-n scar s-k-a-a-r
1: awesome i'll make sure that all that's in the show notes megan scar i had so much fun thank you for coming on disability after dark today
0: absolutely thank thank you for having me
1: of course and you and i will talk like literally in five seconds uh thank you so much for being here and we'll talk soon okay
0: all right, sounds
1: good. Have a good Bye. one. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Gerza underscore, or you can follow my website, www.andrewgerza.com, to find out more about what I do. And of course, you can follow us on patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com disabilityafterdark or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode for a minisode or for a guest spot we'd love to hear from you thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021.